What's the secret to your hair, Dr. Lisa? I get that question so much. And what I have changed recently is using my Nourish Collagen Peptides from the Nourish Balance Thrive line. As you know, before I ever put my name on anything, I test it out for months. And so therefore, I have been using this product for a long time before it ever became available to you guys. Why am I loving this product so much more than any other ones that I've ever used? A, this is grass-fed collagen. So if you are dealing with post-COVID hair loss, if you are dealing with a Hashimoto's diagnosis or a hypo or just low thyroid diagnosis and you're losing your hair, or maybe you're noticing your hair just isn't as thick as it used to be when you were in your 20s, right? There's so many of us noticing that. You might want to add some collagen into your routine. And the Nourish Collagen Peptides is from grass-fed cows, so you're going to love that. You're not going to get all the nasty hormones or whatever else that might be in conventional products. I am always looking for the cleanest source available. What else? If you're looking in the mirror and you're noticing those laugh lines, or if you can pinch your skin and it doesn't like rebound back as fast as it used to, that means the elasticity of your skin just isn't there and we want to rebuild it, nourish it so it can thrive, right? So the Nourish Collagen Peptides will do just that. And obviously as a chiropractor, I love this because it is good for your joint health as well. So Nourish Collagen Peptides has type 1 and type 3 collagen peptides in it, which are great for, like I said, hair, skin, and nails. So if you are dealing with laugh lines or thinning hair or creaky joints, you're going to want to grab a container of the Nourish Collagen Peptides. You can mix it into your smoothies, into your coffee. You can mix it into like your brownies if you're eating that drlisao.com, click the shop link or click the link below. An Ironic Media Production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. Welcome back. Today's guest is Craig Emmerich. You might know Craig and his wife, Maria, from the keto world. They have some of the best cookbooks out there for keto and actually now carnivore. I've linked them all here below that you can grab them. But you might know them from the Keto Virtual Summit, but you probably just know them just from keto. His wife, Maria, ended up transitioning over to keto with some health issues. And you can hear her story on one of our earlier podcasts at Healthy Vibrant You. But Craig is an engineer. So he's going to bring a lot of the science here today. So you might have heard about my little transition over to testing out carnivore. And it took me a while to make that transition. And as I have shared in different podcasts, when I started hearing about these people going carnivore several years back, I really couldn't wrap my mind around it. I had all of these negatives associated with it of what I thought it was going to do to the body. And then as I started seeing some of my super intelligent medical doctor friends and holistic chiropractic friends, the people that were doing this, I was like, they know something that I don't. So I just started to dig. And the research that I found, I was like, I got to give it a go. I loved it, right? And so I'm going to share a little bit with that. But Craig goes through the science of some of the research of what he has found with how our gut has transitioned. So check that stuff out. And he's going to share with you how our gut or how our colon is designed I just absolutely love this episode and such great information. And he's also going to share, you know, they've got little kids. They have little kids that eat the same that their parents eat. So take a listen, check it out. He's going to talk about this transition. And as always, if you're looking for consults, drlisao.com. 
Hey there, Rockstar. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while, trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant, best version of you. Are you ready? Let's do this. Well, hello. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lisa Olszewski, and I have a fantastic guest over here to my side today. I have Craig Emmerich. I didn't slaughter your name this time. So <laughs> we just did another recording here and you'd think with a name like Olszewski, I should always prep to make sure I'm pronouncing last names correctly. And I didn't, and I just slaughtered it, but I got it right this time, right? <laughs> yes, you did. Thank you. So you might, uh, you know, might know his other half as Maria and all of her amazing cookbooks, but he's also got some great information and he has an engineering mind because he obviously, well, he is an engineer, so you do have an engineering mind, but uh, we're going to go through some science today. We're going to talk keto. We're going to talk carnivore. What else I really love, their kids do keto. And so that often, like so often I get from my patients where they're saying, well, is this safe for my kids? It's actually the way your kids probably should be eating. Um, So Craig, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Thanks for having me on. So let's, uh, we are an electrical engineer, so let's just get right into the science of, let's talk diabetes. That's the first thing. That's a big deal right now. It's been a big deal in our society for the last however many decades. But um, what really gets me is when people walk in and tell me that they they caught the sugars or they caught the diabetes or they've got something going on that way and you don't catch diabetes, right? And I I hate to be that brutal person. You do not catch it. You uh, don't catch it. You, you eat your way to it. It's an ener- essentially an energy toxicity. You know, you, you what happens is your body, for whatever reason, you only have so many adipose or fat cells. Those are the cells where you store body fat. Um, you only have so many of them as you get to be adults. And, and even, you know, teenagers and stuff, they don't, you get, you have so many adipose cells and you don't really make new ones. And we've kind of known that for a while. But what happens is when you have your, your fat cells and you're getting an energy toxicity state where you're essentially getting too much food coming in. Um, you have uh, fat going into these fat cells and they get bigger and bigger. And at some point the fat cell has to say, stop, I can't store anymore. Um, and so it rejects insulin to stop fat from coming into it because it's, otherwise it'll burst and, and, and uh, you don't want that. So what happens then is the fat accumulates elsewhere. It accumulates in the blood. You get hydrate triglycerides starts to accumulate in your organs like your liver and get fatty liver and pancreas and causing all these metabolic syndrome or di- uh, type 2 diabetes. Uh, that's the, the source of that trigger. And the, that's why somebody who's 110 pounds, and we've had clients that were 110 pounds, type 2 diabetic because they only have a small number of adipose cells and they're all stuffed and inflamed. And so they're diabetic. Or you could have somebody who's 100 pounds overweight and not technically diabetic yet because they have a whole lot of adipose that aren't stuffed. Um, and, and we even had one woman who wished she gained weight <laughs> back to the, you know, genetic, this is one of the genetic components is, you know, you have whatever many fat cells for, you know, whatever reason you have the amount you have, uh, and you can't really change that. So she wished she did gain weight to give her a signal, stop eating so much sugar, but she didn't ever gain weight no matter what she ate. And not only was she type two diabetic, she had burned out her beta cells and she was now type one and a half, you know, as well, which she can't even produce insulin anymore. 
So she was a, a mess, but, and she's 110 pounds. So in, in society, we're a very vain society, right? If you don't look overweight, you're healthy. Well, that's not the case. And that's, and diabetes is a great example, example of that. Yeah. Isn't that the truth where, especially, um, yeah, just because somebody's skinny doesn't mean they're healthy and yeah. just because, yeah. So, uh, so we both are keto. We both are, um, actually carnivore. So let's talk about that. And, and my patients know, and I, the audience here knows that I really follow a keto lifestyle and, uh, mm. was touting low carb well before it was even popular. And so it's funny because like two, three years ago, I would say my patients started coming in and say, Oh, now, now you're all keto before you were paleo, before you were like X, Y, all these different things. And it was like, well, had I said keto back in the early two thousands, people would have automatically thought Atkins, they would have thought bacon and butter, but, um, that's not necessarily how we're advocating keto. <laughs> so, um, of course it's even, that's better than some of the other ways that people do keto, but, um, we are very, we're strict with our keto. So let's talk about that, why we're both advocating low carb, high fat, and then this transition of carnivore. Um, I did that. I switched over about a year and a half ago now. And carnivore, if you're not familiar with that, is literally only eating animal protein. So yeah, yeah, actually, I would say one thing. Uh, If you go back to the original Atkins, Mm -hmm. you know, when they get started and they're kind of phase one of Atkins, they had a lot of things right. It was a, you know, animal protein focus. It wasn't lots of fat. It was focusing on protein, you know, carbs to a minimum. It really wasn't too, you know, it was pretty, pretty good. What happened was it got commercialized and you started getting these Atkins products and it started shifting into this thing that was, that was not good. Yeah, uh, the but, bars with the, um, yeah. oh my gosh, well, I can think of a stevia with all the other artificial sweeteners. Like yeah, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, uh, but I would say for myself, uh, it started, you know, Maria, 20 years ago, got into this for her own health. I was lucky in that I didn't have any big health issues. You know, I had a, probably 30, 40 pounds of extra weight that I had on my body, but I didn't have any real health issues with it. I didn't have any acid reflux. I didn't have any these issues that Maria had. Uh, and so it took me a little longer to come, come along. Plus I brewed my own beer and all this stuff and I didn't want to change. But, you know, about five years later, I did kind of come over and went keto full-time just because of how it made me feel. And, you know, the weight loss was a bonus. That's what a lot of our clients see is that, you know, they stick with it as a lifestyle because of how good they feel. The weight loss is just a bonus. You know, the weight loss is just an extra bonus to how great they feel. And that's kind of where I was. And, and, and I lost the 30, 40 pounds. I had, you know, 40 pounds extra I had on my body over a year or two. I'd lost it, you know, didn't think anything of it really. And I just, I felt really good. Um, and, you know, that's how I got into it. And I've about set up, well, let me see, eight, eight, nine years ago now, eight years ago, I uh, started having this chronic pain in my back. Uh, You know, I'd been keto for a number of years up to that point and felt great. Suddenly this started happening and I didn't know what it was. And it moved up my back into my shoulders, into my neck, and it started getting this immobility. And I'm like, what is going on? And so about two and a half years ago, i well, three and a half years ago, I got a standard Western blot Lyme test, which we now know is like false negative, like 70% of the time. Uh, and it said negative. So I kept trying to find my answer. And then about two and a half years ago, I got a hygienics test, which is a proper test that told me I had Lyme. And for two and a half years now, I've been carnivore and it's been really great for treating with my Lyme pain. Okay. So like pain is under control with carnivore. It's greatly reduced. Uh, like an order of magnitude, you know, I still have 
the joint gain pain I used to have is completely gone. Uh, the back and neck pain is greatly reduced. I still have mobility issues that I'm working on getting back, you know, working on, uh, weightlifting and doing different things to get my, my mobility back. But, uh, yeah, the pain is greatly reduced. All right. So how do you, how, how did you start out with carnivore? How did, what did you do? You, I'm assuming you probably followed the protocol that, <laughs> that yeah. you advocate in your book. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, we, I just started eating, you know, beef and salt and mm-hmm. I felt a, within 24 to 48 hours, I felt a lot better. And I mean, that was a, a wake up call, you know, and, uh, I, I, being an engineer, I did a ton of research to say, why is this? And what's, you know, why is this happening? And I think I have a pretty good idea why it is so helpful because, you know, the pl- all plants come with anti-nutrients, which are these compounds your body doesn't want and needs to detoxify and get rid of. With Lyme, you're already depressed immune system, so you can't detox as well. So they build up and they cause joint pain and all this stuff. So getting rid of all the plants gets rid of all the anti-nutrients which allows your body to heal on uh, from that respect. Uh, animal proteins are the, you know, one of the misconceptions in society is that first of all, uh, fruits and vegetables are unlimited because there's no negatives. Well, there are, there are, there's anti-nutrients, fruits are full of sugar, all that. So, you know, we know that's not true. Uh, or at least we, we should know. Uh, the other thing is that uh, where do you, if you give a, somebody a plate and there's a steak, some uh, kale, and some blueberries on that plate and ask them, where are you getting your vitamins and minerals? Most people are going to point to the kale or maybe the blueberries. turns out the steak has more nutrients, Mm -hmm. you know, than any of them. And I, we put these charts in our books of, you know, beef, just a steak compared to kale, blueberries, apples, you know, all these things. And steak just blows them out of the water across a wide range of vitamins and minerals. And if you really want to talk about nutrient density, uh, beef liver is off the charts, probably the most nutrient dense food you can eat. And so it's not only are you getting rid of the anti-nutrients your body doesn't want, you're getting a, a flood of these vitamins and minerals into the body that allows your body to then heal because you're getting all these vitamins and minerals to enable it, that healing. Uh, another really interesting study is the one that showed uh, bioavailability of those nutrients, which is another co- important component from a plant's versus animals. Uh, uh, oysters are really high in zinc, but uh, they did this study and they looked at blood plasma. So they looked at how much zinc was getting into the blood after you eat them. Oysters by themselves, big spike in zinc in the blood. Oysters eaten with black beans, about a third of the zinc got into the body. Oysters eaten with corn tortilla chips, none of the zinc got into the body. This is how anti-nutrients can also rob the body of nutrients. It doesn't really matter that, you know, spinach is really high in calcium. If all that calcium gets bound to the oxalates that are in the spinach and doesn't even get into the body, you know, that's one of the things about bioavailability is beef is also the most bioavailable. Uh, We can talk a little more about this a little deeper in this uh, study that was done on the gut microbiome. Um, What they did was they took a randomized control trial, well-done study, and they put them into a plant-based group, vegetarian, or into an animal group, carnivore. And they looked at the gut microbiome and how it changed. First of all, the diversity, so the number of different types of gut bugs didn't change. It's just the number of each changed. So a certain type of gut bug would either go up in amount or down based on what they're eating. And it happened within 24 hours. 
rapid change in the gut microbiome based on what they were eating. But what was really interesting about the study is they also looked at gene expression. So gene expression of vitamin biosynthesis are the genes responsible for synthesizing vitamins. So the, the, if you've got a flood of vitamins coming in, you got to ramp up these uh, genes for vi- vitamin biosynthesis so you can synthesize those vitamins and make use of them. The two changes in diet, vegetarian, almost no change in these genes. Carnivore, they went through the roof. That's huge. Why? Bioavailability and the most nutrient-dense food. I mean, that, if that's not proof that this is where you're getting your nutrients, I don't know what is. And that's how I think it helps for healing is you flood the body with all these vitamins and minerals that it can actually get into the bloodstream and make use of. Right. And I think that was when I first started hearing people doing it. I'm like, that can't be healthy. Like that's going to be so acidic for the body. It's going to be all of this. But, but like I had said before, it was the fact that I sat there thinking, these are really intelligent people that I'm watching between it was blogs and, um, Oh, just Facebook posts. I had some of my, you know, colleagues that were out there doing that. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, what do they know? And so I started digging and digging and digging. And it was the bioavailability. And then it was realizing plants and animals and or plants, everything that I was eating had the anti-nutrients. And I was like, time out. What if I just eliminate this stuff? And it has been such a game changer. And the fact is like you just said, most bioavailable, most bioavailable, blah, blah, blah. Bioavailability is there in the meat. And so that in the animal products and especially the organ yeah, meats, and right? The like thing about, the thing about pH is, you know, your digestive tract mm-hmm. pH, basically your urine pH can change. Uh, but your blood pH inside the body, it's very tightly controlled no matter what you eat. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of pH diet thought is really not valid when it comes down to what happens in the blood and what happens in the body. The GI tract, I mean, you thought I want to talk about pH, the, the stomach pH of a human is 1.5, which is incredibly acidic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's on the level of carnivores and, and uh, car- uh, scavengers. And there's a reason for that because yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and we could talk more about that from a carnivore perspective, but there's lots of studies now that are looking at bone collagen and of, of Neanderthals and early humans and look at the nitrogen content. And from that, you can say, okay, these type of nitrogens come from this type of protein. So you can tell, was that early human or Neanderthal eating their proteins from plants, from fish, from uh, herbivore, you know, land animals? And when they did these studies, and they do them time and time again, early humans are on the same, if not higher level carnivore than lions and hyenas of that time period. Wow. So these early humans, where they're developing this big brain and starting to learn how to use fire and tools that happened because they ate nothing but basically woolly mammoths and large herbivores. Uh, that is fascinating. That yeah. like that technology now can actually show what they were making or what they were eating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So huge on that one. Um, talk about and share with them about the gut and how <laughs> our gut is actually set up because this is fascinating yeah. to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at us versus, you know, again, back to kind of the big chain of evolution, you go look at other primates like apes and gorillas and all these things, uh, and you compare, compare the digestive system of each of those. Um, we have charts in our book that show this, but uh, if you look at uh, all the other primates versus humans, uh, humans have three distinct differences. Number one is the small intestine is about three times longer. Small intestine is really good for digesting animal proteins. That's where you digest your 
steak when you eat it. Um, the next big difference is the large bowel. The large bowel is where you primarily digest plant matter. In humans, it's about a third as long as either primates. So, you know, other primates have a much better ability to digest plant matter. Uh, and then you look at uh, the big one is the cecum. The, the human cecum is this tiny pouch uh, at the beginning of the large bowel that is just, it's where you, you would normally as a plant eater ferment fiber and turn it into saturated fatty acid that you, your body can then use. The problem is humans have almost no cecum left. And that's why, guess what? We don't process fiber anymore. It goes right through us. Uh, you look at something like koala bear, that's a true uh, herbivore. It's got this long curly pouch that's their cecum and it holds plant matter in there to ferment and turn into fatty acids they can use. Uh, we don't have that. Fiber goes straight through us. So, you know, by design, our digestive system, that plus the pH of our stomach, it's it's a primarily animal protein-based digestive tract. And I love that. And it's funny that we even talk about like the pH of the stomach because I had a patient the other day that was like, well, what about, uh, and I hope I'm okay. Well, it's my show. I can say whatever I want. People will be like, do you do alkalized water? Or what about the, you know, all these different water systems? And I'm like, no, I won't. And they just, they were like, why not? And I'm like, because your stomach acid is supposed to be acidic. <laughs> like you're chugging this down. Like we're going to start seeing like, now you can't digest things Unless properly. Unless you're mining right? it in an IV right in your bloodstream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe something so, would happen, but probably not a good thing. Yeah. So it is when we're, um, when you really start to look at the way that we're designed. Yeah. I really think that there's a reason people are thriving on carnivore right now. So how about your kids? How are they eating? <laughs> so we, we adopted uh, our boys and brought them home about nine years ago, uh, eight and a half. And uh, we just started feeding them what we ate. And, and it might sound, you know, crazy to some people that, you know, what, I, I, I made this little kind of meme thing that I put it on my Instagram account. And it showed a picture of my son, Kai, eating a bowl of keto food, which was like a stir fry of beef and some veggies, some uh, keto sauce, no sugar. Um, and on the top was a picture of a typical American kid surrounded by Pop-Tarts and Skittles and this rainbow of Frankenfood. And I, the question I raised in it was, how did the top become normal and the bottom become extreme, right? Like, literally, I'm being called extreme for having my kids eat you know, meat and Real food. like how, did, where did we get to this place? Right. Um, I, I just saw one of our, uh, friends, uh, online post is a actual Gerber advertisement from a paper from very long ago. And it was Gerber baby food and it was beef liver. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to give a kid that now? <laughs> yeah. But if you, start, if you start them out on that, right. Absolutely. If yes. you immediately start them out on sugar, their palate's ruined and they will hate it. And that's, I think, an important point is uh, your kid's palate isn't set and you can develop it. And we started out, you know, our, our son, Kai, when we, he was about a year old when he came home, bone broth. We always have his big pot of bone broth on the simmering away and he would, that would be his liquid, you know, on a bottle uh, along with whole foods. You know, he, we would puree beef, uh, ground beef. Uh, he would get lots of salmon and egg yolks and avocado. And I mean, it's just real food. And yet 
somehow that's extreme these days. Right. No, I have a niece that's the same way. She's, she'll be three here next month, but um, hasn't ever had sugar, doesn't know anything different. And her little probiotic capsules that she takes that, you know, are from Aunt Lisa or Aunt Baba, <laughs> those are her little treats. She doesn't know anything. And people yeah. will look at my sister and just think that they're depriving this child. And it's like, no time out, you know? And the fact of the matter is, especially as our children are growing brains and yeah. during development and all of that, like they're in a state of ketosis. Babies are in ketosis yeah. when they're born. And that's a huge thing for brain development. So of course we want the best for our children. So let's, let's start them out properly. And like you said, like if they don't know it, um, Gosh, you know, like probiotics or fish oil capsules are their treats. Like that's, that's spectacular. It drives me me crazy that, uh, you know, there's some people in this community who know the science like I do. And yet you see their kids with cotton candy and all this crap. And it's like, how do you do that? How do you have the knowledge about how bad that is for them? And then do that, that, that to me, uh, I, I I just couldn't do that. And um, I want my kids to thrive. I want them to you know, have, uh, my, they are so smart and so sharp. You know, my son, Micah is doing geometry and, you know, uh, algebra at, you know, 10 years old. And he's just, he can do better math in his head than I can. And I'm an Mm -hmm. engineer. (laughs) Like granted, I haven't been in engineering in a while, but, uh, he, he's just super sharp. And so is Kai. And, uh, you know, we, one of the things that also you'll see people talk about with this is, well, what about, well, aren't there studies that show that keto is bad for kids? Um, first of all, the primary study they point to is uh, studies on epilepsy. Um, so keto diet has been used since you know, the early 1900s for treating epilepsy. Pharmaceutical companies came along and said, oh, we got a drug for that. And then they stopped using it. Well, turns out keto works even way better than any drug. It still does. Uh, but what they did in those early studies is they did a therapeutic ketogenic diet, which is an incredibly high fat, low protein, low carb diet. And they're again, trying to treat seizures. So, you know, yes, that's a different scenario than the average person. Um, uh, but they, they, when they did these studies, they didn't look at a bunch of different factors. How is this affecting these kids? One of the things that came out was it stunted their growth. Look at the, it, with any study, the devil's always in the details, right? Absolutely. So you de- dive into the details and guess what? They were fed like 90 some percent fat, mostly soybean oil and a bunch oh of my God. garbage <laughs> and very low protein. If you, by body weight, if you calculate these poor kids, you know, that were, you know, eight, 10 years old, were getting like 30 grams of protein a day, maybe, maybe even less depending on uh, the situation. But 30 grams of protein, you know, kids to grow, they need amino acids. They, protein fuels their growth. Mm-hmm. And you need at that age more like two times your lean mass or more to grow, to fuel growth. Uh, adults need like 0.8 times their lean mass to just maintain. Kids need like two or three times their lean mass and protein. So sure, they stunted their growth because they weren't giving them any protein. Um, in my kids, they came to us uh, from Ethiopia barely registering on the growth and height charts, like 2%, 1%. First year of feeding them this crazy diet (laughs) of of meat and vegetables. real food. (laughs) uh, First year, they went to 50%. By the second year, they were at 75% on the height and weight charts and have stayed there ever since. 
That's so, awesome. I mean, it's, you know, the, I, I don't like how these, you know, studies uh, will, will cloud people's vision on things. Oh my gosh. I was, um, it premiered on what night was a Monday night. So I was interviewed for a new documentary. It's a movie, it's called a better way. And that's where it's talking about healthcare. And it actually RFK junior spoke in it talking about, here's the deal with your pharmaceuticals and everything else. Right. And, and he said that exact thing. And so it is, we have to kind of follow the money. Right. And so that's the fact of the matter is, you know, there's no money in healthy people. Like that's to be truthful. Like when, when people aren't on medications, what happens? I see it every single day in my chiropractic practice where people are extremely healthy. And we say it with our chiropractic children and, and even with yours, like this is how kids are supposed to be. And we have literally accepted mediocrity in our children saying it's normal. And so when they see children like yours and like my niece that are brilliant actually, this is how all of our children are supposed to be this way. And it just, it saddens me that that's the state that, that we're in in America, but it's like by you being an example and all of like these people stepping up saying, Hey, this is what it should be. This is how we're going to actually maybe change the culture. Maybe I'm too hopeful. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, uh, you know, leading by example is important, but also, you know, we have tons of clients. We've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, and we've had so many clients and their kids with amazing results. You know, we talked a bit about, you know, disease tree and how, you know, the root of problems in the body is usually the inputs you give to it. Uh, the nutrition is huge, sunlight, exercise, you know, sleep, but the kid, our kids are the same, mm-hmm. you know? And so we've, we've had so many kids that, you know, cr- incredible improvements in ADHD, uh, it, we've had kids that end up on a whole new level of the autism spectrum just with diet. I mean, for a, a, a parent with a kid with autism to get on a whole new level just by changing their diet is huge. You know, taking, I, I remember one of the testimonies, she, she said he takes no for an answer the first time. It's unbelievable. You know, so this is life-changing for these kids too. And it's yeah. just diet. You know, there's no pills to give. There's no, it's just change. It, it's cheap really. And, and, right. Most of our clients, if they do an honest accounting of their budget before and after their food budget, they save money eating this way. It's just and whole then, foods. It's simple. Uh, you know, a box of cereal, you get like two servings and it's 10, you know, how many, I don't even know how much it costs. <laughs> yes, the wrong person, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get a dozen eggs. People complain for paying three bucks for a dozen eggs and you get like four meals out of it. Right. I mean, I don't know. It, it's, uh, I think if you prioritize things properly and eat the right kinds of whole foods in the right way, you can really save money and change your life. Yeah, absolutely saving money. And that's the thing. It's not just even saving money on your grocery bill right now, but the loss of like all the different diagnosis later that you're not going to have to take all the different medications or all the different office visits to the, to the doctor's offices too. My gosh. You've had clients that get off so many medications. There was one woman I remember, uh, she went from 300 pills, prescription pills a month, so that's 10 pills a day she was taking to one half of one pill in like two months. I mean, think about the cost of that, even just doing co-pays, much less the cost on the healthcare system of the total cost, mm-hmm. uh, how much money you're saving right there. The, yeah, right. So it is. It's looking at things, looking preventatively. Um, we are definitely on the same page. And then you just think of also the one thing that popped into my mind is all the food colorings. And we know like the neurological effects that those have, but it's also... 
the chemicals that are in the pills are, are, we're seeing, you know, it's a chemical for the body, but then you think of all these brightly colored pills that they're taking too, and the food dyes that are in that. So it's just, it's a deep rabbit hole. We could jump down, Craig. Like that as a, there's a kid that falls in the river and somebody sees them in, you know, floating down the river and they rush to save them and pull them out of the water. And then there's another kid that comes down the river and another and another. And so they decide to build like a recovery center right there on the river to recover all these kids coming down. And, you know, the, the person looks at things as a systems perspective would say, let's go upstream and figure out why kids are falling in the river. Right. Like, you know, the body, the human body, if you give it the right inputs, it'll do the right things. So instead of putting these band-aids on the end result, let's go upstream. Let's go yep. fix the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the problems will resolve themselves if you give the body the right inputs. Absolutely. One of my mentors, I did a wellness diplomate right after grad school. And um, Dr. James Chestnut is west side of like Canada. But he had always used the analogy and it resonates well because I'm in Michigan surrounded by the Great Lakes, right? But he's like, here's the deal. What if Lake Erie, which we knew Lake Erie was pretty contaminated a while back. What if all the little fish started dying in Lake Erie? Like, what would you do? How would you look at those fish and like build them little, you know, chemo, like little chemo tanks for little cancer hospitals and do all this stuff. And let's do this and this and this for these fish. Or do we look at that and say, what's wrong with the environment? Like, let's check what's in the water. Like, what are the fish eating, et cetera, et cetera. Let's look at it that way. So it is your body adapts to everything. It's a perfect, like it is absolutely perfect and is responding to every single thing that we give it and if you're giving it great things it's going to be doing amazing things and if we give it really bad like you don't have anybody to blame but yourself right so that's (laughs) it's a hard input and again from a cost perspective nutrition is a big one you can spend less the all the other things are basically free i mean no smoking that saves you a lot of money uh you know getting sunlight getting common sense sun exposure that's free Mm -hmm. uh getting good sleep you know, that is basically free, right? You just got to commit your time and, and do it, uh, commit to it. Um, you know, all these things are free things that you can do to change. And that's, I think, why I think why there isn't such a push in our community for it, because there's not a financial driver for it, right? And so you know, pharmaceuticals, you get them on a pill and you don't really fix the problem. So guess what? They got to take the pill for life. That's a good business model, unfortunately. Right? <laughs> Uh, if you fix the root of the problem, it goes away and you don't have to do it anymore. You know, so, you know, it's kind of sad that it's that way, but it's the fact of the matter. It is. And it's once you're on one pill, I have a great sign in my practice. It was like, I take the X, Y, and Z drug for the symptoms of X, Y, and Z that was created by X, Y, just all of the stuff. And it ends with, because diet, exercise, and chiropractic care are too, like too much or too, too expensive. And it's like, holy smokes. Um, and it is because we all know, we all know someday, oh my God, I have a grandfather that was dead at 74 because of a side effect of a medication. Right. So, um, and when everybody looks at, and that's why I always think like, this is why I realized I was supposed to be a chiropractor because I was the you know sixth grader that was reading the drug insert, like looking at all the warning labels saying, is this okay, mom? <laughs> but nobody thinks it's going to happen to them. So here's the deal. Like, let's, let's look at what you're doing in your life today and let's just take baby steps and create some change and make, you know, we're here to help inspire people to better. So yeah, Craig, tell them where they can find your information. And you know what? You guys heard this on the other, the podcast with Maria from way back when, uh, I love her cookbooks. Craig's also, you know, obviously you guys are a team. So best cookbooks that I've found within the keto world. So well, in our keto book and our carnivore cookbook, which are both 
keto especially is it's all science and nutrition carnivore was about half science and nutrition about carnivore i wrote half of those books so we're kind of we're definitely a team in that perspective awesome awesome and that's where uh Maria is, talks about her story with PCOS and all of that stuff too, and how she ended up into it. So um, share with them your website. Uh, our blog, which is tons of free recipes and info is uh, mariamindbodyhealth.com. Our support website where you can get lots of packages and support and eBooks and supplement plans is uh, keto-adapted.com. Awesome, Craig. Thanks so much. Thank it's you. great having you here. content provided by Dr. Lisa Olszewski and her guests and her programs, including this podcast, her website, summits, and other platforms is for educational and informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider before you make any changes to your health routine, especially related to this content. Ask your physician questions about medical conditions. No statement has been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products mentioned or discussed in these programs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I hear it all the time. How do I get my kids to eat fruits and vegetables? How can I get them to take a multivitamin? Or even for our adults, I hate fruits and vegetables. How do I incorporate some of the great benefits of this? This is why I created the Nourish Super Greens and Super Reds. You are going to love them. They are all organic. You have organic green blend and an organic red antioxidant blend. But what else I love about this... I brought in immune support as well. So we have such amazing superfoods, all of the different mushrooms that are in there, along with digestive enzymes. And you can just mix it into your smoothie. You can mix it into some water, but it tastes good. There are no added sugars. You're going to love it. So just click the link below or go to drlisao.com and click the shop button.